welcome back to Out on That Line. It is week 38, and we're feeling great. I'm Jeff with my co-host Alex. Alex, how are you doing this week? I would just like to let the people at home know, Jeff has one of the best soup strainers I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. And by that I mean a fantastic mustache. You guys should see this. They're going to see it on Monday. Oh, yeah. So I guess tomorrow, we're recording Wednesday, they're going to see it tomorrow for the singles video. This is your reminder when you hear this on Monday to go watch that singles video, and you can see the mustache in all its glory. This week, we have a listener's submission uh, for just a single song. It's nice to get a little change of pace, not a whole album this time. Uh, it's from friend of the pod, Kevin. I uh, went to college with Kevin, um, and uh, really great guy. He suggested that we listen to Block Party, the song Banquet. Uh, we also have the new album from St. Vincent called Daddy's Home. And what more fitting album title than this week when I have my mustache oh my than God. Daddy's Home. I just put that together. That's incredible. Yeah, me too. I mean, we're just like lightning through both of our brains at the same time. We really are the best at this. Like yeah, the best I, at I can't think do. of anyone better. Yeah, I can't think of anyone better. So I realize that I've heard this song, Banquet, by Block Party. Oh, yeah. A zillion times before. I, I knew that I knew the band Block Party. I'd seen them on like festival shows and stuff like that um, on the TV channel Palladium or Palladia. I can't remember what it's called, uh, but it's just all concerts all the time. And they always show like Glastonbury and like Bonnaroo and, and shit like that. And Block Party was always on it. I guess they're probably a very, very popular festival band. And this song shows you exactly why. Just a really great kind of Brit rock song. Just a, a just a nice little groove. Um, great dancing music. Nothing wrong with this one. Yeah, it's quintessential dance punk. It's very uh, Rory, friend of the pod Rory. This is the kind of thing I can see him unironically enjoying. Yes. Which is high praise if you know him because he's a fucking hater from day one. <laughs> but he's not on trial here. Um, yeah. So did Kevin give any context for like why he did he talk about like why he loves this, why he picked it? No. And to be honest with you, I never saw Block Party as a band that Kevin would be really into. Um, I think he'll he'll you know, it's fair to say that the man is a hippie. You know, he had dreads for for a long period of his life. Um, you know, so he listened to like Twiddle is a big band that he loved to listen to and they're very much a jam band um they would come play in vermont all the time um so he you know but he's a very good drummer as well like he is a, a good musician so i'm sure music like this is kind of what he likes to listen to because the rhythm of this one is is really interesting um so i'm sure that's why he kind of is into this one yeah now that you say drummer it makes complete and total sense yeah. um my first exposure to this because i i heard this way back when this block party kind of rode in on the same wave that Kings of Leon, Brands Ferdinand, Kaiser mm -hmm. Chiefs, Arctic Monkeys, like that kind of whole aesthetic. Yeah. Kind of all kind of came through the door at the same time. So I think that's the first time I heard block party. And I remember a lot of it's garbage. Sorry to any Kaiser Chief fans out there, <laughs> but the Kaiser yeah. Chiefs are fucking garbage. Franz Trash. Ferdinand goes 50-50. Um, yeah. Arctic Monkeys, I liked Tranquility Base. I know you weren't crazy about it. Yeah. But it's the thing of theirs I like the most because it's fucking out there. Um, 
so I mean, a lot of this shit was garbage, but this song is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it went platinum in the UK, didn't it? I I think it, it must have. I mean, I think they've gone platinum a few times. This song has like, I think a few hundred million listens just on Spotify. So uh, it's a very, very popular song. They're a very popular band. Yeah. The song is a jam. It is a fucking jam. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this one. I had, a, I had a blast listening to this one, um, especially after the Saint Vincent. Not that I didn't like the Saint Vincent, but um, that it was just like such a change of pace, just like a, a shot in the arm, some mm-hmm. nice energy coming in right on the heels of that Saint Vincent album. Um, so it was, it's a great song. Thank you, Kevin. This was, uh, yeah. this was a really fun one to listen to. By the way, that's so funny. I did the exact same thing. I listened to Saint Vincent all the way through, and I had Block Party in the queue. And and you're right, it was like a nice like snap back to reality um but i would also like to challenge our listeners when you submit stuff to us i'll say it again we would love to hear why you love it we'd love to hear your perspective if all you want is for us to talk about it that's your prerogative but just know that we value your input and why Mm -hmm. you're sending these things to Mm -hmm. us we do care we love you guys in most instances we are all you've got okay (laughs) let's get real (laughs) So don't be afraid to be vulnerable with us, people. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, let us know why. Again, write those essays. Send them to the email out on that line at gmail.com. You can send us the full essays in the in the Instagram DMs or on the Twitter DMs. You find us at out on that line on Instagram, at out on that line one on Twitter. And just, you know, let us know. It, it really helps us a lot if we know the context for why you're sending it to us. Um, this song is just a fucking jam, so I think that's the whole context for this one is why he sent it because he just wanted to do us a favor and be like, "Hey, listen to a fucking kick-ass rock song." Yeah, so and sent it, reminding people that it's out there, which is always good. Yeah, yeah. So go check that one out. Block party by Banquet, requested by friend of the pod Kevin. Um, and now, what do you say we get right down to business? I'm chomping at the bit. Let's do it. Oh baby. Um. So, the new album from. Miss Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent, called Daddy's Home. And if people aren't familiar with St. Vincent, she's the babe with the tuxedo-shaped guitar. She has her own signature model guitar. She's a monster guitar player. She is. She's just an off-the-wall weirdo. All of her albums are just experiences in strange and just a damn good time listening to whatever she puts out it's a really really fun experience listening to what she does because there's no you can hear her influences like very clearly but she's got such a like a varied swath of influences that you never know what you're going to get that's something i want to talk about as we go and we definitely will because some of the songs it's goddamn mandatory um yeah but the way that she uses her influences is a really interesting thing uh, mm-hmm. My first exposure to St. Vincent was the album Love This Giant with David Byrne. Yep. And uh, David Byrne, another fucking weirdo. So it was a match mm-hmm. made in heaven. It was like a very strange record. Um, And then I kind of like kept tabs on St. Vincent and then Mass Seduction came out and I bought that on vinyl completely blind. I was like, yeah. I haven't heard anything about it. I just know I liked the last one. Blip bought it and it fucking blew my butt out like it was so so good yeah that album's a banger yeah uh it's fucking ridiculous um 
this is the point in the show where I go way out on a limb. Okay. This is the album to beat for album of the year 2021 for me. Wow. This is the one. This is the one so far. Wow. Okay. And here's who I think has a, the, uh, this is the only person I think has a shot at unseating her. Can you take a guess? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to insult you by trying to guess which one you like the best. You, you won't insult me. It's a, it's a, a forthcoming album. I'm, I'm going to say, oh man, I just, I just don't know. You think the Olivia Rodrigo is going to be album of the year? Is that what you're telling me? Well, you know what? That's fair. We are going to cover that. And I wasn't thinking of that, but that makes total sense. I could see that yeah. sneaking up on me as well. I was thinking of Billie Eilish. Ooh. I think Billie is the only other one that might have something in the hopper that knocks this off the perch for me. Okay. Well, that's fair. Um, we'll see. And this is a vulnerable position for me because critical reviews have been super mixed on this. They either like... Mm-hmm try to find something polite to say or they're outright hostile to it, which I do want to point out with certain songs as we go. Just reviews that I read that were so fucking yeah. egregious. Like, not even critiquing the song. It's maddening. But reviews have been mixed and every single person I've sent this to has hated it. Well, it's just, I think I think it's given time, people are going to understand what she's trying to do with this one. And I feel like when I was, when I was listening through it, there's a lot going on influence wise, musically, there's a lot going on, but I think it's a very, very direct album with the subject matter that she's talking about. And I think given more time and more people being exposed to it, I think it's going to garner a lot more goodwill than than it has so far because i've read some of those reviews as well and i'm surprised at at how bad some of them are and i don't know if this one's going to be album of the year for me but i certainly am not going to argue against anybody that says it is because i think it's so much different than anything we've done so far this year and really a lot different than anything we've done on the podcast so far at all you know we're episode 38 here plus a couple extras and you know i don't think there's anything like this album that we've done so far Fetch the bolt cutters is the only thing I can think of that comes close. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just going to call her Annie for the purposes of it. I, I realize it's St. Vincent, but yeah. fucking Annie's got, le- no, that sounds weird. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to call her St. Vincent. <laughs> the minute it came out of my mouth, I was like, what the hell is this name drop? <laughs> so. Uh, do you know her personally? Not to brag or anything. I feel like I do. <laughs> um, But yeah. <sighs> The thing is, it's a really accessible album, and that's the big Mm -hmm. criticism that everybody has is, oh, well, she was making all of this really future-forward music, and it was this, like, very different sound, and, like, people make the comparison of, like, oh, when Brian Wilson was making Pet Sounds, did he know he was going to change, like, a big paradigm shift in music? Like, people were making those comparisons for a long Mm -hmm. time with St. Vincent. And then this album comes out and she very consciously makes a decision to look back at music from the 70s, particularly in the New York scene. But her influences are Bowie and Steely Dan and Stevie Wonder. And you hear all of that in the music Mm -hmm. because as she describes it, 
she was going through her dad's vinyl collection and thinking about all the things she grew up listening to that influenced her, specifically because this album is all united around the concept of daddy's home. Her dad mm-hmm. went away for 12 years for like securities fraud or something. Yeah. So this isn't the first time she's written about that, but this is the first time the album is kind of all informed by that story. And you would not believe the number of people that have a huge problem with this being the focus of the album. Yeah, and and that is one thing that I that I read a few reviews that mentioned, and I was very surprised about that because it's like, who are you to like question someone's experience about that? Yeah, like it's not it's not as if he it's not as if she never knew him. I mean, she's what like thirty eight years old or something. She's been away for twelve years, so she knew him for the first twenty five or so years of her life. Like he was present for that, so it's not as if it was, she has just these little tiny childhood memories of him. Like the majority of her existence was with him around, so obviously there was going to be a big influence on her life when he got out of prison and got back into her life. You know, and, and I don't know, you know, what kind of relationship they had, or if they had, you know, if they were estranged from each other while he was in prison or anything like that. I didn't really go into it as far as that goes because I don't think she would have probably let that part of her personal life out that much she's a very open person but i feel like since it involves somebody else she doesn't seem like the type that's gonna air that kind of thing out but like it just it struck me as weird because you're right about how people handled the reviews to this album is it was less about the music and more about the subject and about her and i thought that's such a strange way to to really dig at somebody you know, when we talk about Taylor Swift, you know, we talk about how terrible she is while also talking about how terrible her music is. You know, they're one and the same. It's all hand in hand. Words and music, you know? It's it's for us, you know, we're totally justified in that. And I'll stand behind that 100%. But with people talking a lot of shit about St. Vincent and trashing her album because they want to, they see it as an extension of her and they want to talk shit about her, I don't get it. I don't understand that. But they're, they're yeah they're they're all like oh it's got patriarchal vibes I was like I one hundred percent disagree that's mm-hmm. horseshit you didn't listen to the same fucking album I did then this is yeah. there's nothing patriarchal about it the fact that she's using her dad going to prison and how she processed all of that as a jumping off point is like none of your goddamn bit what makes that patriarchal it's j- yeah. just because it involves a fa- a, fa- a literal father. Like, it's just so stupid. And these are the same people that are shitting on her being like, you you had the future in the palm of your hands. And you went, they, they can't make the leap. Oh, music of the 70s, music of my father, the albums about my father, and kind of the mm-hmm. things I learned about myself during this time. No one looks at that and goes, oh, that's very clever that you would thematically match the music to the sound and do something different. We should praise yeah. you for looking backwards and doing something that's outside of your, as she would call it, I think she said, um, angular thinking. Mm-hmm. So instead of being praised for going outside of that and doing something else, everyone shits all over her. And I'm like, you're the same motherfuckers that suck Greta Van Fleet's dick, and they suck. <laughs> they, <laughs> they fucking do. suck. They do. They do. And, you know, I think this is this might be the moment in her career when it's like Dylan went electric. You know, she's going the other way. She's going back towards the older styles of music where he was going, you know, he saw Jimi Hendrix playing an electric guitar and he was like, well, shit, I need to do that. Um, and 
you know, I think this might be that moment for her is this album. I think there's a clear divide of people that are like, wow, this is awesome that she's doing something else. You know, this is like nothing we've heard her do before. You know, it's like when Sturgill Simpson did A Sailor's Guide to Earth. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, well, this isn't country. Yeah. But with in totally missing one of the best albums of that of that year. And, you know, one of the best albums that he's ever made, you know, and he's made some great ones. You know, and it's just like I think people get so focused in on what they think an artist should be instead of realizing that they are they experience growth the same way anybody else does in a moment as big as her dad coming home from 12 years in prison is going to have some influence on what she's doing as an artist. You can't really avoid having those things influence what you're doing. And if you do avoid that, then you're not really being authentic with what you're creating. And I think that's worse. That would deserve criticism. What she's done here does not. Exactly. And like she used her dad as a fucking jumping off point. Not every song on the album is about daddy issues. It's not the fucking Haley Williams album where every song was like, oh, I've been hurt before and it sucks. I'm in pain. Yeah. Like it's it's much broader than that, especially with the sounds, like the the different styles that she's kind of working off of. Like. Mm -hmm. You should focus on that. If the quality of the music regressed, that is a legitimate criticism. But just being like, I don't like the fact that she was doing one thing and then did another because she's a creative person. And like you said, you can't really tell creatives what to do. And they kind of owe it to us to give us whatever comes out of their fucking melon. So, mm -hmm. like, I'm a little emotional and a little irrational about this album because I loved it so much. But I also think my criticisms of their criticisms are valid. I yield my time. Fuck you. Maybe we should turn this into a instead of instead of a uh, music podcast where we talk about albums, we should just talk about music critics. Oh fuck yeah! Give them a taste of we their own medicine. We should review reviews. I hot take. I bet there's a bigger market for that in podcasting than our music review show. There probably is, but we'd have a lot less fun doing that. I think. Uh, Oh my! We get two episodes, and I'm like, I'm done, Jeff. I walked in front of a yeah. bus the other day. <laughs> yeah, I'm living in negativity. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all of that is a big wind up to the album itself. But like, I will cash in hipster bucks if I have to, or or snob bucks, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Some of my argument in this is gonna be based off of emotion because I was made to feel emotions when I listened to the songs. So. Mm -hmm. It may not be the most academic analysis all the way through, but I guess I'm an artist too, and I can only give you my unfiltered opinion. <laughs> if you don't respect that, why don't you go listen to a different podcast like the Skimbo Lounge? Yeah, we paint pictures with other people's music. Correct. That's what we do here. Yes, yes. So the first song on the album is one that I chose, Pay Your Way in Pain. And I think right off the bat, we get the idea that this ain't going to be like the other St. Vincent that we've heard, you know, it's got very, you know, she's got a very distinctive voice. You know, she never, I don't think she's any great shakes as a, as a vocalist per se, you know, certainly nothing compared to, you know, some others that we've done on the podcast, but uses what she has very effectively. And, and I think makes the music one whole part in her voice is just kind of a, a part of that rather than her voice being the focus, like BB Rexa tried to do with hers mm -hmm. to, mixed effect um but pay your way in pain you want to talk about influences prints uh, on yep. this one i mean just absolutely dripping in the purple one and 
Yo, I don't know if they ever collaborated. You can probably clarify that, but I know she did like was part of the tribute to him and she's clearly a big Prince fan. And I don't know if she wrote a song intentionally trying to mimic Prince or anything like that, but this is late career Prince if I've ever heard it. And it is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I alternately got vibes from Purple Rain, and I got vibes from, uh, not Plectrum Electrum, that was... Uh, artificial like Age. Artificial Age, yep, that's the yeah. one. I, I heard both of those in this, because the minute you were like, you know, her voice is strong, but it's not the feature. She uses it to add texture and character, but it's not like a classically beautiful or like overly unique voice, she just knows how to mm-hmm. use it. The same thing goes for Prince. He mm-hmm. he could just do so much with I, I mean like he he his first album was like very R and B and it was this very gentle like I'm gonna put you down on the pillow kind of stuff it was like <laughs> very tender and very sweet and not ridiculous as I make it sound but like when he really got into that nasty caterwauling where he just does those like big horny yowls like yeah. that's where we're starting to hit. Prince in his sweet spot. Um, and not on this song. It's uh, actually in uh, Daddy's Home where she does those giant, those oh, just yeah. yow cat calls. That's yeah. all Prince. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, it And I definitely hear some Purple Rain in this too, um, especially like Darling Nikki. Yeah, you know, definitely. That. Uh-huh. Yeah, and Computer Blue. Like when he just gets like really, really off the wall. And I mean, I we should do a Purple Rain episode sometime too. Now that we're talking about that, uh, you get no argument from me. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we, when the day he passed away, I got home and you were already playing that vinyl. You were like waiting for me to get home so we could listen to that. And what an experience! So when I hear anybody that kind of, and I don't want to say it's a tribute to Prince because I don't know if that's how she meant it, mm-hmm. but. I kind of felt that it was when I was listening to it. When I hear something that's this good, that really just is almost like an homage to one of my favorite artists of all time. I'm There's no chance I'm not going to like this song. And it was just such a great start to the album. And, and the way the lyrics like pay your way in pain, pay your way in shame. Like those are Prince lyrics. I mean, that could have been on on any of his albums at any time. Like that's that it's just so good that she made it her own. Like it's clearly a St. Vincent song, but you hear it's almost like he's like over her shoulder being like, okay, do this here, do this here. It's like just such a cool experience hearing it. Yeah. And I, I I just love the way that it's structured where it it does. It has that darling Nikki bump and grind kind of section where things slow down. Like it starts off like very self-assured, and then it almost like degrades where like it'll start here and then it's almost a little bit like the tape is warping. Not that dramatic, mm-hmm. but the the wheels kind of come off a little bit. But that's to lull you into a false sense of security because then she just paints the fucking wall with these huge bursts of intensity, mm-hmm. these crazy meltdowns and just these like gigantic sonic booms of, of funk, electronic funk. It's mm-hmm. so technically excellent the way that it sounds like it's going to fall apart at the seams and then just comes right back together it's so fucking good yeah this uh, my favorite kind of music is like rock and roll music that 
sounds like it's about to go off the rails, but never actually does. Mm -hmm. Like Against Me is a great example of that. You know, Guns N' Roses was a great example of that. And this is, you know, not the same style of like rock and roll, but has those same vibes where it's like, is she about to lose it here? But she's so talented and so and so assured in what she's doing. She's like, no, I've got it right in the pocket. None of this is out of control. This is exactly how I want it to be. And I feel like she's just like gifting us songs like this. And there's so many songs on this album that I felt that way about. I was like, God, just like gave me chills down my spine with like the the obvious influences that were involved in it. And I can't wait to talk about more of them as we get into those songs. It was just really, really good. Oh, it's a really great start. It's great. And it sets up all the shit that comes up throughout the album. Mothers and daughters, fathers and daughters, this idea of like, well, She's a talented artist with a lot of steam and and that's very fulfilling and she thinks a lot about her legacy and a lot of people think of their kids as their legacy and in many ways, you know, St. Vincent's dad can have two very different legacies, his daughter or his crimes, you know what I'm saying? And like part of this feels like a conscious attempt on her part to make anyone who finds themselves in this kind of situation feel less bad. You shouldn't feel bad if you don't want kids. You shouldn't feel bad if you want them and can't have them. You shouldn't feel mm-hmm. bad if you have a crappy relationship with your father. This is just like, it's everyone's got their own pain. It's all stuff we all think about at different points in our lives. And she just paints this super vivid image uh, you got the line, I went to the park just to watch the little children. The mothers saw my heels and they said I wasn't welcome. Yeah. So it's like this recurring theme of like the the dichotomy of who St. Vincent is and who she could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good way to put it. Um, and we go right into the title track on the album is your next pick. Daddy's home. This is such a slinky, illicit, little jailhouse Tom Waits number. Um, mm-hmm. It's the most directly, it's the one that deals the most directly with her dad going away. I don't want to like keep hammering that because sometimes I feel myself getting into a loop where I'm like, all this person is talking about is this. This isn't a concept album. Again, the situation was a jumping off point for larger questions. But this mm-hmm. song is directly addressing the situation because not only is it daddy's home, dad's getting out of prison, but she describes it in an interview as when he was gone and she had all this time to think, she had to come to terms with people are going to disappoint you. And she was very embarrassed by the situation for a while. And so it was a lot for her to wrangle. But in doing so, she came out the other side with a lot of clarity and a lot more control over her life. So she feels like she's making the rules. She's at the top of the food chain. She's in charge. As she says, I'm daddy now. So she's mm-hmm. take daddy's home is basically her coming into her own as an artist and as a powerful woman. And the song also fucking slaps. Oh, yeah. And it it's more Prince. Like you were saying, the, the ow, like those things she does so well. Oh, yeah. And I feel like she's just having a really good time on this album and it really comes through you know it might there was probably some hard parts about writing this album about you know probably some questions about how honest she was going to be about you know situations in her life and you know this is like very specific 
storytelling that she's doing in this you know where she says you've still you still got it in your in your government green suit and i look down and out in my fine italian shoes and you pay and it gets this picture painted of her like visiting him while he's in prison and we're tight as a bible with the pages stuck like glue yeah you did some time well i did some time too you know and so she's like he paid for his crimes and she's had to deal did like some of her time as well because she's had to deal with growing as an artist having a dad that went to jail for securities fraud and probably having to answer a lot of questions about that so it's like he's not the only one that's been punished for this you know and she's clearly didn't know what the reviews were going to be of this album but she's getting punished again in the reviews just because she felt like having one of the biggest moments in her recent life be an influence in her music you know yeah. shame on her for doing that right yeah fucking idiot yeah, and I think one of I think my favorite line in this one is "We're all born innocent, but some good saints get screwed." And I think she's talking about her dad, where it's like, yeah, he might have like done some securities fraud or something, but is that like twelve years in jail worthy? Well, and it's interesting because from what I gathered, there, there I didn't see anything explicitly acrimonious in their relationship. Like I don't, I didn't see yeah. her come out and say anything like, "Oh, he was a raging asshole. Fuck him." sounds like she loved her dad and that like he might have been tough to get along with and tough to reconcile what he is which is a white white collar criminal but Mm -hmm. like it sounds like she still has affection for her dad or at least he still plays a significant role in her life and again this song just like paints the picture so vividly where she's visiting him in prison and it's not you know his little girl coming to see him and bring him comfort it is his grown ass adult daughter showing up with the fucking Italian shoes, probably like done up to the nines, just being like, I'm not putting on airs. This is who I am. This is an occasion to me. Uh, I know I'm in charge here and I'm having a goddamn great time. And she just depicts the whole thing so vividly and so theatrically because that's a big thing for her. She loves like the glamorous starlets of yesteryear, Jane Mansfield. Um, uh, uh, Marilyn Monroe, people like that. So she Candy has darling. A, what's that? Candy Darling. Oh, big time. And and mm-hmm. she's always had that sense of theatricality, and she approaches her albums from like a character viewpoint, and that's really clear on this song. And as the title track, I think that's super fucking important. And the last thing I want to point out for this is we have our second instance of down and out. There was a song before this. Obviously, our new format is just jam. But I will mention the song before that was Down and Out Downtown, which is a big time David Bowie barn burner. Like you hear Mm -hmm. David Bowie all over that one. Yeah. Um, But the theme of being down and out runs throughout this album. It pops up a Mm -hmm. bunch. And I think that's another really interesting way to look at all the content on it. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I understand the totality of St. Vincent at all but it is goddamn interesting listening to her music and and i feel like we're gonna look back at her career and she may never sell like the most records you know she may never like be the big number one artist that fills up stadiums or anything like that but i think she is going to go down as one of the you know artists that that is going to age very well you know i think it's something that we're going to look back and be like that music wasn't just good as a fad. It wasn't just good in the moment. It was just good music. And I think she's consistently produced that 
over her whole career so far. And she's still only 38, you know, and she's so good that she even overcame having Jack Antonoff all over this album. Jack did a good job on this one, Jeff. Yeah, surprisingly so. He was all over I mean, mass, mass seduction, too. Yeah, you know, and I, I think it's she's such a I think she's such a strong artistic personality that she probably knew exactly what she wanted to get out of the album and just needed somebody there that could realize that vision for her. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, because it just even though this doesn't sound like things that she had done before, this has this is St. Vincent through and through. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like when Bob Dylan had you know, went electric and like a Rolling Stone compared to like Blowing in the Wind. You know, those were two completely different songs, but you knew who you were listening to. Yeah. You know, it was just like a much, this was a different experience than anything she's presented before, um, but just really, really incredible yeah. all the way through. It's not a leap forward. It's not in sound. It is, but it's not a leap backwards. Again, it is like a lateral move, which sounds like faint and damning praise, but when you are as consistently fucking excellent as she is rising mm-hmm. to the standard of your own quality is pretty goddamn good. I would say so like she'll take the fucking next leap forward when she's goddamn good and ready. But in the meantime, let's be grateful for this stuff because guess what? She might hit what I like to call the beef heart threshold where she just goes <laughs> off the fucking rails and then <laughs> none of us understand and enjoy her music anymore. Don't, push her there we gotta work up to that slowly we're titrating yeah don't make her cross the beef heart line okay don't make her do it god damn i don't we won't like what you. happens we won't like what happens not at all um and the next one that we chose that you chose live in the dream this one's got a couple interesting interesting little tidbits about it it does i really enjoyed and i can think of the tidbit you're thinking of so i won't jack it <laughs> because <laughs> it's right up your alley but um this is probably gonna sound ridiculous and probably gonna sound hyperbolic but this is the song where i realized i was listening to a real work of artistic genius i mm-hmm. fell into this song and i was like oh okay saint vincent is my new everything a big thing that i've been searching for in music is who's gonna be my new everything and by that i mean if you were a Bruce Springsteen fan, even now, but like peak Springsteen, maybe a bad mm-hmm. example because he's still working and it's consistently great. Someone like Meatloaf, who just lost his voice, went off the rails, got too old, got too fat, and just like you had to see him at a very specific point to get that yeah. experience. And then like someone when they're like the hottest thing going and their music's just like dynamite, who are you willing to like shell out and go see, right? And Casey Musgraves is there for me, but Mm -hmm. St. Vincent joins her on the Pantheon because, like, it is great to have contemporary artists that you love so much that they become, like, your parents seeing the police in concert. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that would be Coheed and Cambria for me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because it's just, like, wherever, if they're at all close, I'm going to go see them. You know, that's just just how it is. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think think Casey Musgraves – is up there for me. I still have not, have yet to see her fiance of the pod. Marla has seen her live, said it was incredible. <sighs> Saw her at the Houston rodeo. Um, and she apparently did like a banger show for ACL. And I don't think she's going to be at ACL this year. Um, but guess who is going to be at ACL this year? Who? William eyelash. <gasps> Billy. 
Yes. Good for young Billy. I'm happy for yes. him. Yes. And Miley Cyrus. Oh, my God. It's an embarrassment of riches. And Doja Cat. Jesus Christ, Jeff. It's the fucking hat trick. Yeah. So, I mean, I just thought of this, but out on that line goes to ACL. Holy fuck. When is this happening? When's ACL? October. Oh, my God. You know what else is in October? My goddamn birthday. Your goddamn birthday. So I guess I'll have to treat myself to a little trip to ACL, maybe. Oh, yeah. That's, man. What a, what a, you, you folks just heard all the gears of the universe clicking into place and turning just so for out on that line. I don't know what fate smiling sounds like, but I have to imagine it sounds a hell of a lot like what you just heard. <laughs> Congratulations, folks. You've just experienced history. <laughs> so this one, live in the dream. Um, I got very Pink Floyd vibes from this one. Comfortably Specifically numb. comfortably numb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're we're right there, man. Same brain, buddy. Same brain. <laughs> um, but it really there where someone like Greta Van Fleet absolutely just apes someone else's sound. Just takes their sound and just tries to make their own. You know, like Wolf Mother kind of did it a little bit as well, but Wolf Mother did it way better. You know, I think there was just a lot more talent there in the first place. But when you can take something like Pink Floyd, who has a very specific sound, very specific, like you always know you're listening to a Pink Floyd song. I don't I can't think of another band that really sounds like them that has been successful um, It to hear to be able to like pull that influence and have something sound so much like a Pink Floyd song, but still be its own thing. You know, it doesn't seem derivative in the least. Really, really incredible feat on this song. This this might be my favorite song on the album, just because of that. It's it's the one where like I really stood up and took notice. I was like, yo, this is this is a fucking amazing album, and whatever comes after it would have to work really hard to derail what I'm experiencing here, because it's not only comfortably numb, it's also got vibes of like strawberry fields or even Mm -hmm. like because a little bit it's got this very Mm -hmm. chill mystical psychedelic sound and to me it feels a lot like maybe being revived from an overdose or something like that i'm not Mm -hmm. trying to be glib about it i'm trying to be sincere because there there is a pertinent history to it behind the song um but almost like you know overdosing in somebody narcans you and they're they're kind of nursing you back to life it's got that vibe where you slowly gain consciousness it creeps up on you more and more now you're aware of words now you're no longer dissociating you know where you are you know who you're talking to and they're going to take care of you and it's this very comforting all-encompassing vibe and it's it's based on an interesting conversation that I guess Jack Antonoff had. Would you like to, I don't want to jack the bit. So if you want to take the baton. Yes. A little artist people may have heard of named Bruce Springsteen um, was talking with Jack Antonoff and I, that part I'm, I'm a little wary of, you know, Jack Antonoff being in the presence of Bruce Springsteen, he better had understood, understood what he was in the presence of. First of all, I need him to understand that you can't keep putting out that bullshit like you do with Taylor Swift and, and hanging out with Bruce Springsteen. Those two things don't go together, so get your shit together, Jack. 
um, what Bruce said was, you know, talking about the game of fame is kind of the direct quote from, from Annie Clark, St. Vincent. And the idea is you can't let the dream of fame take over you. The dream has to live inside of you. And so that's the name of the song, Live in the Dream. So it's not a Bruce Springsteen influenced song. It's not a, like, it's definitely sounds like Pink Floyd. This sounds nothing like anything Bruce Springsteen ever did. No. Um, but the idea of fame being something that can be like a drug, which I think it's what she's waking up from, is those ideas of grandeur that maybe she gave into a little bit and then had that moment of clarity, that kind of that moment where she realized, like, I can't live like that. I have to be in control of my own life and control my decisions. I can't let fame and the pursuit of it dictate who and what I'm going to be. And I think the idea of, you know, oh boy, you're so lucky we found you when you did is, or found you when we did is, you know, her realization that she needs to back up a little bit and not fall into those traps. I think fame is getting treated as the narcotic in this one. And that realization is the Narcan, you know, I think is, is kind of the sense I got from this one. Yeah. And, and I think uh, Antonoff and St. Vincent also intoned that as part of the conversation with Bruce Springsteen, he was also talking very literally about vice. So like fame is a drug being one thing, but people who literally fall to vice and succumb to some of the darker elements of the industry, you either don't feel good enough and maybe you retreat to something like the competition pushes you towards it or mm -hmm. just living the high life and feeling invincible does the same. Like it's, it's impossible to know because you have to be born with the predilection for addiction to become an addict. That's why like it truly is a disease. It's not just mm -hmm. like, Oh, I did heroin once and now I'm insane. Like, if you have an addictive personality and an addictive predisposition, you are an addict. And it's an interesting perspective to come at this song from, too, to, like, create a very literal picture of somebody who's clearly fallen into the excess of chasing the dream, whether it's fame, fortune, or what have you, but someone who got so lost in the rewards of the pursuit that they almost lost it all. And now along comes someone who genuinely cares about you and is going to nurse you back to health. So physically, you need to get healthy, but spiritually and mentally, you need to have this same kind of mm -hmm. moment of clarity. And it's just this beautiful, sparkling, psychedelic song. It grows yeah. and grows and it wraps itself around you. I am not ashamed to say that I shed a fucking tear listening to this song. A little yeah. one out of the corner of my eye. Yeah, it, it understandably so. Because it is just, it is in itself a moment of clarity, this song is. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in an album w of a lot of great songs, I felt like this one, for me, really stood above the rest. Yep, this yeah. was this was the runaway fave for me. Yeah, this is, this is the one that, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to get anybody to get into this album, this is the first one I'm going to pick and be like, if you don't like this one, probably not going to like the rest of the album, but chances are you're going to like this one. Although the next one is also a very strong contender. One of your picks. Yes, The Melting of the Sun. And this one is cool because, you know, you hear there's so many times we've we've done a lot of songs where they're kind of have tributes to other people. and But it's all just like very surface level 
like this person did this thing and it caused this thing. You know, it's like very surface level stuff. It doesn't talk about, you know, it doesn't get into the why of them doing it. This song does that. You know, it's, you know, she said Jane lost it, crashed her Corvette, ran into the tide in Malibu. St. Joni ain't no phony. Smoking reds where furry sang the blues. My Marilyn shot her heroin. Hell, she said it's better than abuse. You know, she has all these lines in this song that, are tributes to these women, you know, that paved the way, that had to deal with the misogyny, had to deal with the public, you know, requiring them to act a certain way or they were going to be ostracized. You know, it's it's all these things. Like, think about, like, Joni Mitchell coming up at the same time as Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people considering her a better songwriter than Bob Dylan was, but because she was a woman, never got quite as famous. You know, I would personally disagree. I don't, I happen to not really like Joni Mitchell's music very much that's a personal thing for me um but i can you know i'm not gonna really argue with people that much if they really really love her um marilyn you know clearly i think talking about marilyn monroe Mm -hmm. um hell she said it's better than abuse marilyn monroe famously looked at as like kind of this hussy almost you know this person that was just the floozy that dated around different celebrities but you know people don't realize that marilyn monroe was a huge advocate for civil rights, like put her money where her mouth is, you know, in, in, in the face of all of this stuff that they all had to deal with Joni Mitchell, Marilyn Monroe, they had, they stood up, you know, and I think it's a tribute to them for standing up during those times where it was especially difficult. Like now it's easier than it's ever been for people to stand up. I still think we have a long way to go, but we wouldn't be where we're at now if it wasn't for the folks that came before that made this progress possible. And I think it's St. Vincent saying, I wouldn't have the opportunity to create this music if it wasn't for those that came before me. And I think it's a very, but she doesn't do it in a way where that's all she's saying. You know, she's, she's like, I'm a part of this too. Like I'm going to carry the torch to the next person. Well, yeah. And, and that's the melting of the sun, the idea, like the, the, the sun is literally melting down, going supernova. I interpret that as everything that these women who came before St. Vincent have done, all of those actions have facilitated her being able to get to the point where she can do something that blows people's minds, where she, again, this idea of daddy's home, taking her power, owning her power, mm-hmm. and and using it and redirecting it out into the world. It's like if she wanted... She, it's a Superman type thing. You can be a benevolent daddy or you can be a disciplined daddy. And if you decide to be disciplined daddy, you're going to melt the fucking sun. So thank you, ladies, for empowering a goddess who can do as she pleases but chooses to be benevolent. <laughs> disciplined daddy. But she'd love to see the look on your face as she burns the world to ashes to know that a fucking woman did it and you guys set that up. And yeah. That's fucking awesome, because to your point, a tribute is just like what asshole Dave Grohl would do, where he'd be like, Jimmy played left-handed. He'd just say facts. He wouldn't yeah. be like, why was Jimi Hendrix important to music? It's just like, I know that he played left-handed. So yeah. like this, this song is leaps and bounds beyond that kind of sentiment. It's really nice. Yeah, and I think it, it helps that it follows a lot of songs that have obvious you know, kind of influences from, from artists of the past, you know, so, you know, it's authentic and it's that our favorite dirty word, authenticity, Mm. you know, and I think it's, it's her recognizing 
her current place in the current climate and understanding that eventually it's going to be her place in history. And she's like, what place do I want that to be? And I think she looks at the examples set before her as a kind of template for how she wants to make sure things move forward after her, you know, and I think it's a really, it's a really excellent piece of music. And, you know, it's, I think this one compared to a song like daddy's home, you know, people that the criticism that she received that all of it is, this album is all based on the one thing. This song is your evidence that it's not Mm -hmm. right here. Exactly. And you make a very important point or you use an important word template. So one of the accusations I've seen lobbed at this album in terms of criticism is like, oh, she spends so much time drowning in the past and just wallowing in sounds she didn't come up with. And again, these are people that are like, wow, Greta Van Fleet, good for them, like infantilizing Mm -hmm. them and being like, aren't you a good little Led Zeppelin cosplay? (laughs) So like those same condescending pricks are like, yeah, but it's not cool when St. Vincent decides that she's going to jack David Bowie's sensibilities. And it's like, okay. Let me ask you this. If David Bowie puts meat, cheese, and lettuce between two slices of bread, and then St. Vincent comes over and puts pastrami and sauerkraut and Swiss cheese between two slices of rye, did she rip off the sandwich or did she use it as a jumping off point to make something entirely her own? You know what I'm saying? Template, motherfucker template she's not copying anybody she's using human beings need to recognize patterns we fear what we don't know and she's Mm -hmm. using the template to be a jumping off point to get her message across i do not understand what people don't understand about that yeah and i would you know i know we can't obviously ask prince what he thinks of saint vincent at this point but i would have to think that he would love saint vincent I would I would think that he think he would put her, you know, he would tour with her. You know, Prince was very selective about the people that he played music with. I would think St. Vincent would be there. So anybody criticizing her as being like derivative, it's wrong because Prince would, you know, people like that, these luminaries of music that she's drawing these influences from, they would not give her the time of day if they felt she was just copying them. You know, if, if they felt she wasn't bringing something new to the table, you know, I think it's the fact that she gets all these bonafides. She works with David Byrne. You know, that's David Byrne is an asshole. Like yeah. he doesn't work with anybody and he doesn't even work with the talking heads anymore because he doesn't see a need to pay them when he can just do it all himself. You know, that's the kind of person it is. But he saw enough value musically and talent wise in St. Vincent to do a whole album with her. So who the fuck is anybody to say that what she's making is not good? He said he was fucking intimidated by her. So, like, what more evidence do you need that she's a fucking heavyweight in her own right? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We'll hop off our soapbox for a second and we'll move on to somebody like me. I'm close to this one, Jeff. I'm close to the issue. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So in brief, I realize we're, we're, we're getting to the limit. But somebody like me... I picked largely for the sentiment because musically it's very stripped back. There's not a lot of ornamentation Mm -hmm. to this because the sentiment is doing all of the heavy lifting. The characterization is doing all the heavy lifting. And I love the idea, which is that love is a mutual delusion. She compares it to 
you know, the idea of falling in love, allowing yourself to fall in love, not to like demystify it, but deciding that you're going to take the gamble and be with someone and love them and let them love you is in her mind, no crazier than getting up on the roof with a pair of wings because you believe you can fly. It is literally a leap of faith to enter into romance and it's mushy and it's simple, but it's incredibly compelling and subtle. And it's just like no element comes out of nowhere. Like we noticed again on the Miley Cyrus album, some of those production choices were so fucking bizarre. And Jack Antonoff mm-hmm. didn't get into his bad habits and, or maybe he did and she put her foot down. Cause I don't think she suffers fools, but it, this was, this song was a gamble that paid off because if the criticism of the album is like, oh, it sags in the middle, this is not going to change your mind Mm-mm. because it's it's more stripped back and more simple than anything else on the album. But it's running on the steam of the concept and the way she puts the words together. Paint yourself white, clip on the wings, climb high to the top of a building. Does it make you an angel or some kind of freak to believe enough in somebody like me? Mm-hmm. I fucking love that man. It is it is a very interesting. I love when music makes you answer a question. Mm-hmm. You know, when it asks you a question, it's not just telling you something. You know, it's it's it asks you like consider this. Like if you saw this person on top of this building, would you consider them a freak or an angel? You know, and it's like how willing are you to open up your mind to the idea that they might be an angel? that there might be something more than just a weirdo standing on top of a building. They might be trying to get you a message. They might be trying to tell you something. Yeah. They might be trying to show you something. And I think it's, I think it's a very interesting thing, you know, and she says in this refrain, and I have a question after this as well, that's somewhat unrelated, but, Oh, I guess we'll see who was the freak. It's like, you may say these things about me, but who's to say what's normal. You know, who's to say what the normal thing to do is? All we can do is judge, you know, look at what's already happened and kind of judge it that way. So in the moment, like, just do what you want. You know, who's going to, who who's to say what what's right and what's wrong in, in this moment? And I have, the question I have is, what's the difference between a refrain and a chorus? You know what? You caught me flat-footed. I truly do not know. Is it because it happens only once? Uh Possibly. I don't know. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I don't know. Too bad. I just was that, like, I noticed. Yeah. Yeah, too bad Frank no Zappa isn't here to answer that question for us. <laughs> oh, he'd, he'd probably tell you, uh, fuck them both anyway. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Just make the music. But I got yeah. him into the episode right at the wire. You did. You did it. Hooray. Yay. The streak. The streak. <laughs> uh, but it, it really is, you know, I don't know. It, it's a real, it, I love when they ask a question. You know, and I don't really know what the answer is, but I suppose that's the point. Is it supposed to be like, well, you can't really tell one way or the other. You know, it's to one person, they're they're a genius. To the other, they're the fool of the week, as she says in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, until you vocalized it, it wasn't like a conscious thought I had had, but you're right. The best songs are the ones that pose a difficult question. Like yeah. something like Stacy's Mom, very enjoyable, but what questions is that asking other than like, do you think your mom would bang me if I put it out there? <laughs> So like you know it, you're right there's a big difference and and it comes through in songs like this yeah and and so that's why i would disagree when i say that it's the lull in the middle of the album i think if you're listening to this album for the purposes that she made it which is to kind of 
express herself, you know, I think questions like this make you dive even deeper into it. You know, I don't, I don't see it as so much of a lull. So that's where, you know, I think that's, I don't think it's much of a disagreement that we have about this one, but you know, I just see it a little bit differently. That doesn't seem like a, a dead spot in the album at all to me. I think it, it just kind of amplifies what the album is about is like, you know, you're look you may look at it one way and this is maybe a question for the critics as well it's like they're seeing some kind of freak when we're seeing an angel on top of that building right now very much so and again it's like why is a lull a bad thing why is lull a dirty word if you've true built to a fever pitch you got to come down it's the natural progression, especially, again, she's theatrical. If you want to look at this from a theatrical structure, you need a breather moment. And that doesn't mean low effort. That means a different energy that takes that. Because if it's just baseline is hell bent for leather, then where the fuck do you have to go from there? So That's don't true. tell me it's a goddamn a low. Get the hell out of here. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Um, and the last song that we chose for the album uh, was one of my picks, Candy Darling. And this was another one that was a direct tribute to the actress, Candy Darling. Um, she was in a couple of Andy Warhol films. So very, very artistic person. Um, doesn't surprise me that St. Vincent would hold this person in high regard. Um, she is a very artistic person herself. And not just musically, I think whatever artistic endeavor she you know we might end up this could very well be the last saint vincent album she might just become a painter after this who knows she's just that kind of mercurial person where it's like wherever her muse leads her is where she's gonna go whether that's music or something else and i'm totally fine with that you know i'd, I'd like to hear as much music as she wants to produce but i just like to see what she's got whatever it is you know i think i think it'd be a very interesting thing to see her try something else entirely. You know, she changed her sound for this album. What if she just changes her medium next time? Yeah, who knows? Like a like a David Lynch or a David Bowie or a David Byrne, just like the Davids have given, again, a great template. But in all seriousness, like Beefheart did the same thing. He made music for a while and then he was like, fuck it, I'm a really talented painter. I think I'm going to do that now. And his, his paintings yeah. are wild. They're great. So, I mean... yeah. Who knows? What maybe there's an acting career out there for her too. She clearly loves cinema, so who fucking knows? But I, I would follow her into the jaws of Cerberus himself. <laughs> yeah, and I really, I think this just doing something like this, like Candy Darling, I think is something. Clearly, this person was important to her development as an artist. You know, probably watched those movies and like idolized this person. And I'm sure she encapsulates some of, you know, Candy Darling's personality in her own artistic endeavors. You know, I think we all do. You know, whenever I was writing music, I always found myself being like, well, I guess this sounds very Springsteen. Or, you know, it sounds like very country when I would, because of what I was listening to, you know, because of what influenced me. So clearly what influenced her is going to show through in her music as we've seen through this whole album. But I think on this one, it's not so much the music of Candy Darling, because I'm not sure she ever made any. I think it's just the idea of Candy Darling and what she represented in the movies. And I think it's it's really cool to see this because I think this is the most like personal look we get at St. Vincent in this album you know this is a very concrete example of where she comes from what she values and who she is 
Well, and she says that she kind of put on a little bit of a Candy Darling persona to put a little, put a, a respectful amount of distance between her and the content of the album because it makes it easier for her to talk about. If she's put, it's like Mitch Hedberg doing stand up with glasses. Whatever helps you to channel it is all in bounds, right? And like, it's a very conscious aesthetic she adopts. The the wig that she has on the cover of the album is a Candy Darling style hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is someone that meant a lot to her and influenced her. I mean, we all have someone like for me, it's Raul Julia. And people out there may not even know he was. Uh, this is a terrible example because he's done so much more, but he was Gomez Adams in the original Adams family movies with Angelica Houston and Christopher Lloyd. He is such a magnetic, talented actor. And he's like, not necessarily someone who's a household name, but he meant a lot to me and his acting Mm -hmm. means a lot to me and his charisma means a lot to me. So it's clearly the same thing with St. Vincent and Candy Darling. And because it's someone that maybe people have to Google or they only know her, through the legacy that Andy Warhol was allowed to write, because we all focus on Andy Warhol, it, it feels like this song is like a, a deathbed send-off to someone that was important to St. Vincent. She's paying tribute. She talks about bodega roses, and she brings them and lays them at the feet of one of her idols. And I think it's a hell of a way to end the album. Kind of brings everything full circle, because, again, it's this idea of legacy. Do I want to have kids because I risk them turning out like me? Am I anything like my parents? All these thorny issues. And then it all comes down to legacy. And the legacy of Candy Darling on this album is she played a really important role in St. Vincent's life. And she gets Mm -hmm. the honor of, of being the swan song on the album as a result of it. And I think that's really fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I hope I hope she hears it somewhere. Hell yeah. In the in the great expanse and the great beyond, I hope she hears it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that does it for St. Vincent, Daddy's Home. Um, you know, I think it's if you haven't been paying much attention, folks, you know, I think uh we're gonna tell you stream it. Hopefully that was obvious to you at this point. Um, this was a really, really incredible experience listening to this one. Again, until further notice, this is my for me. This is the album to beat for album of the year, 2021. I got my eyes on Billy, uh, Olivia Rodrigo, Dark Horse, uh, an unanticipated Casey Musgraves could do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I have a hard time. Nothing we've done so far unseats this, and I have a hard time thinking anything's going to rise to the level of the emotional response I had to this. Stream it. What are you fucking nuts? Stream the goddamn album, <laughs> or I'll take it personally. <laughs> Um, we're going to, we're going to put this one on our list. Um, so we're going to have in December, I assume we're going to do a, a 2021 recap episode and this one's going to be on the list. You know, I'm looking forward to the new strand of Oaks album in mm-hmm. July. We're going to see what old Tim Showalter brings us because I've loved everything he's done so far. Um, so we'll see what he, uh, what he comes out with. Casey Musgraves is coming out with a new album post divorce. So we'll see what she comes out with, with that. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. There's a lot of really, really strong artists releasing albums this year in the fairly near future, I think. So um, we'll see what happens. I think we're going to have an interesting run here going through the summer, which is going to be nice. And you can catch it all on Anchor and Spotify and iTunes and YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Did you like that, Jeff? I loved it. I loved it.
seize an opportunity. That's me. I seize it and I seize it. Yeah. Let us know what you want to hear on Out on That Line. You get us on Instagram, at Out on That Line, Twitter, at Out on That Line 1. Send us an email, out on that line at gmail.com. You can even attach pictures if you want. You could do whatever you want with email. It's crazy what you can do with email these days. Try it out. We might check it. Um, You'll find us our singles videos on YouTube. Search hashtag out on that line to find those. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Uh, We put you know, we're putting a lot of work into that. Uh, mostly Alex putting a lot, of, a lot of work into getting those things uploaded. Um, but look for my new singles video. Should be It will have been out for four days by the time you hear this on Monday. Um, so go check that out. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you want anything specific on the singles videos. Generally, we just pick those ourselves, but I'm open to requests on that. So you just let us know. Um, thanks for listening so far. Alex, do you have anything else? No, I've said enough, Jeff. All right, until next time.